care for all Your bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys This is a side tangent Do you think they were recording the Zoom call when Jeffrey Tubin pulled his dick out in the in the New Yorker meeting? I I was uh I I was like just sort of seeing that now and I have a lot of thoughts on men who pull their dick out that I'm willing to elaborate was, on. Well, the, I mean, the latest on it that I just saw is that he was fully masturbating. He was. Jesus. He, okay. He was. So he was well, that's where I was at. The weirdest it. thing about like, it, they were simulating the election and he was. Um, oh, yeah. And like Masha Gessen was playing Trump. <laughs> yeah. And he was the courts. So. <laughs> Two uh, girls. How do you. What? I want to know what. How did he think that was going to go? Like, he clearly just didn't know that his camera was on. But like, how did. Yeah. Did he think he if he had a role to play in that? <laughs> what was he do? Oh my god! I don't know. I Started. I just don't know how you could get horny in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, what I'm I'm not not here to kink shame, but that's gross. Yeah. What? Well, I I famously am here to kink shame, and that's my role on this show. <laughs> as, um, as the new traditionalists of the left. <laughs> yeah. The um. The the prude horny girl of the left that's me um okay yeah so yeah all right so i guess we should i mean i now i just can't stop imagining jeffrey tubin masturbating during a meeting i'm Um, I'm going to take that quote out of context and put it all over the internet yeah (laughs) yeah i can't wait that's what i that's honestly what i deserve and I think people would be like, yeah, that probably checks yeah. out. Um, <laughs> all right. Kate, you're all set. I'm all set. I've been recording. This is going in the podcast. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, this is, all, this is all going in. Excellent. All right. Well, in that case, welcome back to Reply. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. We are, we're thrilled uh, today to have um, some of our are thus far only repeat return guests. No, that's not true. Um, We've had one other return guest, and that's Gabe. But Gabe. So yeah, sorry, Gabe, um, but, but you weren't memorable. Sorry, Gabe. Yes. Gabe, <laughs> Gabe Erasure. Yeah. No, I said I said some of our only. I didn't say our only. Um, I remember Gabe, of course. Um, but, yeah, we're here back again with Tom Sexton and Terrence Ray from the Trillbillies. Well, Welcome, thank you guys. You, thank you for having us for a second time. Welcome. Thank wow. you for coming back. Also, my boyfriend has been trying to get you to do his podcast, and I got you on first, which is a <laughs> sick yeah, own t- of him. Yes. It's the damnedest thing, because every time Jake reaches out, it's literally just like any other time. It would no. be no problem whatsoever, no. but as Tom, soon as he does. <laughs> Tom, just, just admit that you like us more. Yeah. Just admit that we're better to talk to and we're just, you know, gorgeous conversationalists. I think actually what would make Julia happy is if you said that you came on our podcast because it's not sexist at all. Yeah. <laughs> and that's important yeah. to you. That's the proper take. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, because our, our podcast is the woke. Yeah. That's right. why you came on. Yeah. Right. We're, we're the perfect amount of woke. We're not uh, not too woke. We see that sometimes, but we don't we don't take it to a too woke level. We're just a reasonable amount of woke and considerate. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's me. Medium woke. Everything in moderation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's what I believe as a Christian. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Christianity, how is Kentucky? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's What's the temperature? What's the What's the vibe in Kentucky right now politically? Um, God damn! What is the vibe, Terrence? You're, you got your finger on the pulse. I'm a virtual recluse. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just as an illustration, on Saturday there was a massive Trump caravan through Eastern Kentucky. Uh, we're talking eighteen wheelers, big rigs. You know, like Mad Max Fury Road. We're talking War Boys. Um, the most <laughs> the most you know rigged up vehicles you can imagine people hanging off the back with american flags and trump flags thin, a lot of thin blue line flags oh yeah. are y'all familiar with those. the phenomenon called rolling coal yes i kn- have you seen people no. do that oh, uh, hell yeah, yeah that? i have in california a couple times yeah yeah wait what's that tell me about it's it like people will like well the way it plays out here is people will like drive by something that they deem you know to lib or something like that and then they'll like have the big trucks with like the smokestack pops coming out of it and like the black smoke rolling out of it and so they'll go by and just like yeah like it if, up. if they see you driving a prius they'll get in front of you and then roll the coal so that all the black exhaust oh. will come out and you'll you'll be like oh your bow tie will spin around in your car will- right <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That is constantly happening to my bow tie. Yeah. It's really frustrating. I I mean, this is like the most basic question. I I actually don't know like anyone who's voting for Trump anymore, except for in my family. I have Uh a QAnon cousin and I have some evangelical Christian family members and they're all 100% into Trump. But I guess, you know, if you do interact with Trump people, more regularly like what the fuck is like their excuse for like what he's doing right now i i get how people could have been on board in 2016 when it was like a bit unknown but now i'm like i don't know how anybody justifies to themselves that it's going well right now mm-hmm. I, i've been wondering this myself my mom sent me this tiktok uh, the other night um where your mom is on tiktok my mom is on tiktok yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. He's cool. Um Wow. Follow Terrence's mom on yeah. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a TikTok of somebody who was on Google satellite or Google Earth or whatever. And they zoomed all the way in on this farm in New Mexico where people had cut out Trump twenty twenty out of the crop. So it's basically like a big crop circle that just says Trump Trump twenty twenty. You could basically <sighs> see it from space. Did they swear uh, up and down that they had no involvement in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I asked myself the same question, Kate. It's like, um, it's, it's like the same people who voted for Bush the second time. It's like, huh, interesting. <laughs> You've got no excuse that go around. 
I mean, yeah, especially, I think especially in the past year, uh, obviously with like how horribly he's handled the pandemic, um, there's, you can't even be like, well, he's really crushing the economy, which is what a lot of people I think said before and like used as a justification before, but the country's in, (laughs) we're like the one Western country that is still in this weird in-between lockdown and almost every state is having like uncontrolled resurgences. Um, anyways, I feel great. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still really I'm still really nervous that he that he's gonna win again. I've I say this uh, every yeah, week, same. but I'm like I just feel like he, I just feel like in the places where he needs to win because of the fucking electoral college, he can. Um, right. I don't know. I don't trust anyone from the state of Florida, and I don't care if we have Florida listeners who are offended. <laughs> I'm sorry, but your governor still won't close the beaches. <laughs> Well, he's got a lot more outs, though, too, right? Because, like, not, I mean, there's a lot of different ways he can win. He could, like, you know, win it straight up with the Electoral College or whatever. He could let the courts steal it for him. You know, he's, mm-hmm. McConnell's been, you know, this is, like, sort of the danger of McConnell and how insidious he is. He's been packing out the judiciary through this whole process, running these candidates yes. through the express lane. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, you can't really, can't really uh, overlook that, overlook the chicanery, you know? I knew you were going to use the word chicanery. Um, that is actually oh, the one thing. It. Is that my thing? That is your thing. And you used to, I think you, I, that is a standout from, from our last episode with you guys. Um, I remember it's really your signature. Like it. It's a great word. No, but th- that's actually one of the things that frustrates me so much about the court packing discourse is um, especially like the faux kind of pearl clutching from uh, the right is that, uh, exactly what you said. Uh, the Trump administration has confirmed, almost like, or rather, the the Republican Senate has confirmed over 250 of the Trump administration's federal uh, judge appointees over since 2017. Yeah. Um, and the reason why there were so many quote unquote vacancies is because McConnell wouldn't um, wouldn't give hearings or kind of push through anyone from the last year of the Obama administration. So if that isn't court packing and also all of these, all of the judges that they're, that they're fast tracking are super young and hyper conservative. Yeah. So we've got just a bunch of fucking Ben Shapiro's running around. <laughs> like yeah. 17 year old, like fucking Doogie Howser ass judges, you know? <laughs> lifetime, also, I know, also lifetime appointees. Yeah. Oh my God, a Doogie Howser who hates women is what a horrifying thought. <laughs> I remember seeing this Doogie Howser episode when I was like young, like little, little, and it was must have been a rerun or something, but it was a. Uh, Doogie Hauser had to like give his girlfriend a gynecological exam or whatever. <laughs> it was like, you know, it, I don't know. She was, this was like an emergency in the hospital, and he was like, "Oh, I'm the only doctor on duty. I have to look at your vagina." And they were like, "Oh no!" And I don't know. It was oh. just, it was so traumatic oh. that it kind of stuck with me all these years. <laughs> yeah. We need a we need a Doogie Hauser reboot. Yeah, I agree. Well, they tried to do that, I think, and it was called, like, The Young Doctor or something like that. <laughs> Very creative title. 
<laughs> um, a cousin of young Sheldon, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just like, again, this is this is one of the the reasons why I feel like there's so much unknown is because the like my purview and what I see all the time where I live is not a good representation of the country, like different parts of the country. Um, and so are you like, are you still seeing like a lot of Trump 2020 signs? Do you know a lot of people who are voting for him? I still see quite a few. Um, do, is there as many as 2016? It's, it's really hard to say. Um, I have seen, and you know, I don't know, take, take it for what's worth. I mean, Biden will not win Kentucky. Definitely not. Yeah. But I don't think I saw a single Hillary bumper sticker or sign in Eastern Kentucky in 2016. And I have seen multiple Biden signs. So, you know, I don't know. I, again, it may not matter in states where it needs to matter, but, um, but I do think that that's an interesting development. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's just people are more ashamed of voting for Trump and like people are still going to do it, but maybe they're more ashamed about it now. I think voting for Trump is more of an aesthetic choice at this point or and or some combination of just like, fuck it, we might as well ride it out with this guy because the Democrats have so betrayed us that like, whatever, we've made ourselves look like, you know, fringe lunatics anyway. So we might as well like, yeah, see, see, see if we can write this ship in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. It's a I don't know. I I have like seen people say that they're voting for Trump because they're against cancel culture. And it's like, what the fuck do you think that the president is going to do about cancel culture? Like in what world is like the president going to issue like a, a national fucking emergency order that no one's allowed to be offended by racist jokes anymore you know that, that that's also like a hilarious like uh one position like single position like voter stance in an election that has two canceled presidential uh candidates you know what yeah I mean? yeah although joe biden never also- joe biden never got fully canceled and to be honest with you uh i think that he should have been fully canceled it's it's too late now it's fine yeah. but uh i mean you know that guy had like I think like eight different women have accused him of various degrees of inappropriateness. And I mean, by inappropriateness, I mean, in, in some cases, like full on sexual assault. And it, it was just kind of weird to me how that was <laughs> yeah. all sort of like, he couldn't have done this. He's a decent guy. And it, it felt. But, yeah. Kate, but Kate, I think that you're forgetting that we famously canceled him on our episode drag his ass joe oh, biden yeah, last true. year yeah, it didn't work though so you know <laughs> <It's sick. laughs> we can we canceled him and we are very much you know the arbiters yeah we, the arbiters yeah. Of, of cancellation on the we left also, um, we also canceled our dads though and they're still around you know yeah. i know i mean but that's just like my dad's my dad's never gonna go and he's he he's He's going to outlive me. I think that that's just what, like, men of a certain, men who, like, lack uh, conscience uh-huh. live forever. Right. That's why Henry Kissinger is still kicking. Dude, you know? I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed <laughs> that Trump did not die. I just, every day. I know. And then uh, the thing is, is I've been getting a... Uh, I got these, like, fucking weird right-wing, like, Nazi-type trolls that... 
are part of this white supremacist podcast network. I know that that is a hell of a mouthful. Great, great phrase. Yeah. Oh my God. White, white supremacist, supremacist podcast, podcast network. network. No, it, it really is. Like it's where like the Proud Boys started and they've had like Chris Cantwell, yeah. they've had David Duke, they've had Jason Kessler, Richard Spencer. Like it is a full on white supremacist podcast network. Yeah. And these people piss me off so much for many reasons. Number one, being Nazis. Number two, harassing me. But third, only to those two things, is the fact that uh, they said that I regretted wishing the president dead. They were like, oh, Kate regrets this because she's getting canceled. And I do not regret that. And I'm going to do it again. I <laughs> feel very sad that Trump is still alive and that COVID did not take him out, you know? <laughs> Well, and the, the, he looks he looks thoroughly out of the woods at this point. Like I was holding on hope for like a couple of days. That, you know, he was hacking. He looked like shit. Now he's yeah, like he's, he's like happy really he's labored. Yeah, he's his really labored breathing. Yeah, well, I don't know what kind of horse steroids they're <clears throat> pumping him with, but it's working. I was thinking about this. If he hadn't after he got out of the hospital, if he didn't look like absolute shit, I really. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that he actually was faking it. Now, hear me out. The only reason I say this is because what is the first thing he said when he got out of the hospital? He said, don't let COVID dominate your life. Don't, I don't know. let this thing run. <laughs> and so they have been trying all ever since March. They've been trying to find a way to normalize this, to make people think like it's not that big a deal. And it kind of feels like him getting COVID was their final like sort of coup de grace, like their final like... See, you know, he, Trump did it. He he went through fire. He walked through fire for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He can do it. Like it's don't let it ruin, run your life. It's not a big deal that two hundred fifty thousand people are dead. And I don't yeah. know. It it is very advantageous for their whole strategy of just trying to make everyone think like because any other president, a pandemic of this magnitude would just be absolute. You know, it would be poison for them. They'd be done. But um, but I think they they have been trying since uh, since at least April to make it something that uh, we're we're the you know, they're they're convinced so trying to convince the, people that it's a normal thing. It's fine. Thing. You think the balcony thing when he was like you know gasping doing the the fish <laughs> on the deck thing that was just a portly guy running up a set of steps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well that's the thing. Like it's. He did it didn't like either. shit those couple of days afterwards. So. No, yeah, and he was like he was wheezing publicly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, I think about what happened in the UK. Like it hasn't. Boris Johnson like almost died and then fully came back right. from it, and he's as strong and evil as ever. Um, they have a lot more medicine now too than when Boris Johnson got COVID. But I don't know to what degree that stuff works or not. And. And he got a bump in his favorability ranking, too. Yeah, he did. Well, I will say that all these rallies and shit that Trump's been having since he got out of the hospital have the the entire pretense of all of them is that everything's fine. Everything's normal. You can be congregated in large spaces with a lot of people. You can even crowd surf, hug one another. Kiss big, beautiful boys. Kiss big, beautiful yeah. boys and girls. Like. <laughs> The whole thing is premised on the idea that everything's normal, folks. Everything's fine. Don't let it dominate your life. So I don't know. It's interesting I, to think about. I'm really starting to feel like our only chance of ever uh, getting out of this pandemic is convincing Republicans that it's gay to get COVID. I mean, I just feel like there may be no other way. Yeah. <laughs>
that's the that's, that's the only yeah um so i we i i think you know we we thought about you guys uh well we think about you all the time not in a creepy way we think about you all the time um, <laughs> thank you i mean i will say i i think about you in a creepy way all the thank time you. but that's just me I, I, I have a boyfriend uh <laughs> um no i'm just joking but no i really do have a boyfriend you came on my podcast instead of his but um no, I was. We were thinking about you because uh, you, "Hillbilly Elegy" was made into a movie, and it looks so horrible. The trailer is so terrible, and I imagine that everyone is asking you about your reaction to this. So I'm just gonna <laughs> jump on that train and be yet another person asking you about your reaction to this. <laughs> Tom, you, you go first. You always put me in the spot, so I'm doing. I'm making you go first on this one. Man, I thought, um, I thought, and I don't know if this is just like a, okay, so I don't know if there's like a Netflix house style, you know what I mean? That like, even like big name directors kind of have to like, kind of like polish it for, (laughs) for the streaming networks and maybe you don't get like as, you know, all the bells and whistles and budget. I don't know how any of that works. It looks like a Lifetime movie. It does. That's what I was going to say. It looks a little like. Uh, like I think, and I fucking guarantee you that Amy Adams gets her Oscar for this fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. After yeah. all that, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's total, total Oscar bait. So I don't know. I just wasn't really like super impressed by any of it, obviously. But just like also the weird Terminator thing, and I, I don't know. I, I, I still can't wrap my head around how this guy just became a lawyer. You know yeah, what I mean? I know he... a lot of hillbilly lawyers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Way more interesting than this cat, you know? I know. And he's so, I mean, for those of you who did not have the misfortune of reading the book, it's about it's this guy, J.D. Vance, wrote a memoir about how he grew up poor and uh, was raised by his grandparents and then became a lawyer and decided that poor people deserve to be poor. <laughs> Um, and that was his whole character arc, uh, is that he's a Republican lawyer who went to Yale. Right. Um, and I, I know that he's married, but he, I don't, I just look at him and I can't imagine that he's ever had sex. Um, I can't get there. You know, some guys you look at and you say, and not even in a creepy way, I just can't imagine him in a sexual situation. I can't get there. No, I really just... You know, my whole body shrivels up when I look at him, but that's a conversation for a different day. Um, <laughs> about me. Uh, but yeah, I think that there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like the kind of story that like coastal elites want to tell themselves about people in you know the in the midwest or in appalachia do you think that that's accurate <laughs> I, i'd say so no i mean i I'd, I'd say that that's pretty accurate i i mean i i feel like there's a certain kind of role that actors love to play um and a drug addicted hillbilly is definitely one of them because it allows you to <laughs> Fully remove all of the inhibitions uh, on yourself. And you can, you know, you can just, I'm trying to put myself in an actor's shoes. 
um, like what would be a, a fun role to play. And by fun, I mean the exact opposite of who I am. And so for Amy Adams, I can see the exact opposite of who she is, is a drug addicted um, hillbilly. Yep. <laughs> um, although I did watch an episode of West Wing recently. I had to because I went on that podcast, the West Wing thing, and they made me watch this episode of the West Wing where Amy Adams actually was in it and she played like a farm girl. She was, um, you know, so so she's got some background in this. Just FYI, this is where she's all a little the preparation pays off. This is this well, is where yeah, all the pre- was... preparation paid off. <laughs> she was in that movie. One of her first movies was called Junebug, and she played like yeah. a pregnant, uh, not hillbilly, but wo- woman of the South. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Could you imagine a movie like? arrival but it's jd vance and he gets back from college and he's learned all these big words and so amy adams has to figure out what he's saying like (laughs) like arrival don't i mean don't even put that in that'll become a movie in some way don't even speak that into the universe that's a cursed notion um let me ask you this who, who like what are some of like the like all-time great hillbillies on film though like you said this was like an archetype terrence like give me some other examples like good or, or ironically good or actually good no it doesn't matter good bad ugly, whatever um okay uh well liam neeson in next of kin is one of the only good actual portrayals uh, that i've ever seen i don't understand how he did it or why yeah yeah it's it's accents about he has the accent pretty good um surprisingly i kept thinking about monster's ball because i feel like billy bob thornton plays sort of like a hillbilly cop or prison uh guard yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's uh, great, in my opinion, because Sling Blade is... an actual hillbilly, excellent. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he is. he's an actual hillbilly, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love Sling Blade. Sling Blade's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's another that's another classic. But... I was thinking recently, recent bad ones, uh, Ozark. That is, like, such a bad show, in my opinion. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. that show is dog I'm, shit. Okay, yeah. wait, am I canceled because I love Ozark? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but I just, I feel like it's so, I just feel like it's so stereotypical, not even like the, um, you know, like the Mexican drug lord guy. Like, I feel like his every every Uh, line is like, hello, I am a Mexican drug lord, you know? And then like, (laughs) the, I I feel like the, um, excuse me, I feel like the like hillbilly characters are like, I'm going to go sleep with my cousin you know like it's just like all kind of very stereotypical portrayals uh kind of a flat show there's i mean there's no incest on the show don't (laughs) don't lie to our listeners (laughs) oh no there's i mean there's definitely there's i don't think there's direct incest but there's i i feel like one of the main things is like the sexual tension between the ruth character and her half brothers it's like very am i just reading into that that's gross man (laughs) Yeah, her oh her her cousin, cousin yeah, her cousins. cousins or half brothers I don't know but they like I feel like a a big theme is that they like think that she's hot and stuff. I mean, maybe she, maybe she's just hot and has cousins we don't know. Um. <laughs> anyways, I love Ozark and I will go. I will die on this hill. Uh, <laughs> but 
going back to the hillbilly elegy thing, the the th the thing that was going around about it was the Terminator line, right? Uh, good Terminator. There's three kinds of people in the world: good Terminator, bad Terminator, neutral Terminator. <clears throat> um, I have Oscar, uh, Oscar, Oscar for that dialogue. It will get an Oscar, absolutely. <laughs> Best adapted screenplay. And you know, I think the I was I was thinking about that. Like I was just trying to understand, like, what the fuck is that about? And I don't know, maybe y'all have already figured this out. I, I I don't know, but it took me a few days to, to figure it out. But I, I it's like I think they're trying to show that JD's grandma, played by Glenn Close, is smart. She's savvy. Clay, but she's not Glenn Close. Yes, Claymation Glenn Close, right. Yeah. Her prosthetics <laughs> are wild in that yeah, movie. Really but yes. Yeah. Um no, she's she's not fully dumb, you know what I mean? Like she's like one of the savvier hillbillies, but she's not well read. Um in fact, she may not even be literate, but because she pulls things from her environment, for example, Terminator, she then uses that <laughs> and turns it into some sort of philosophical treatise on the world in a profound way so that you as the audience you look at this and you're like, "Wow, some of them really are smart. They may not have books. They may not know how to read, but they know how <laughs> to put two and two together in some ways. I, that's the Can only I, explanation I can come up with. Why the, why the fuck would you put that in there? I am dying to see if the famous line from the book where she questions JD's sexuality and she says, JD, do you like to suck dick? And then he says, I was flabbergasted. I want to see if that. I want to see if that made it off the cutting room floor, at, with uh, with the movie. I just. I mean, I also just. I don't. If JD Vance had come out of this as like a successful person, but like a hardcore leftist, I don't think that he would have had the same character arc um, or the same kind of like general reception. But it's still the, not even that interesting. It's no, it's not. <laughs> no. But it also like it. I don't know. I think it. I don't know. I, I I just the the cognitive dissonance that you have to have to think the way that he thinks after everything he's been through is kind of substantial or yeah, or like, opportunistic i don't know right because it's like yeah you no know, sure you can definitely make a lot of money from peddling this kind of uh this notion of uh you know all it takes is individual responsibility you know like people love to pay for that story so mm -hmm. you know i'm just saying if i run out of money do not be shocked when i do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that the the thing about JD, his trajectory is, I mean, I'm sure, I think we talked about this the last time we were on, and we talked about it in our very first episode. But he, like, he's very heavily influenced by uh, Charles Murray, um, who was oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, who you know was the guy who basically thinks that black people are genetically inferior intellectually, and and all these other things. Yeah, he's really big on uh, race science. Race science, right. Quote, unquote. Right. Yeah. Well, the the prevailing idea on why poverty, like why Appalachia was so fucked up for the longest time, for probably the second half of the 20th century, was that there was a culture of poverty. And, you know, that that was 
you know, pe- people got sucked into the world where, um, you know, it becomes in order for you to navigate these social circles or whatever, this culture, you have to be sort of impoverished. And then that imbues, you know, poverty back on yourself in a sort of feedback loop. J.D. Vance provided an intervention in that. J.D. Vance said, actually, no, people there are genetically predisposed to this kind of behavior. It's a genital oh condition. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. He transferred the Charles Murray argument from um, POC communities to poor white people in Appalachia. Um, and I think that that's why, uh, that's why he's so, is so alluring. And that's why it's so alluring to liberals as well. Um, because if it's a genetic thing, then there's nothing we can do about it. You know, we can do this or that. <laughs> oh you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it lets I, r- race, race for the cure at that point. I yeah, know. Race for the cure. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I don't know. I, I, uh, I think that that's why JD could only ever be have one sort of trajectory. I guess I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't. To look at Tom Sexton. Tom made it out of the, out of the. Right. <laughs> look at me. I'm, look at him. Story. Look at him. <laughs> no, please don't. He's successful. <laughs> Not shaved in three weeks. <laughs> Much better looking than JD. Uh, yeah, you got me there. Oh yeah, I mean, this is this is a a, gen, a definite aside, but like, we should have started off with like, how are you guys doing? Are you okay? <laughs> like, and what is what is the uh, the COVID culture like in your area? It's not that. It's not as bad as I thought it it would be. I mean, I've been surprised by how you know everybody has masks for the most part. Um, I have seen a few people melt down that they can't go into Walmart through the exit door um but that's about it <laughs> yeah i think well down here now i feel like everybody's like post-covid because I, I live in lexington like a couple hours down the road now but i feel like it like nobody like not that they're not taking it seriously but like I, and i don't know if this is just me being crotchety because i'm you know in my mid-30s now like I'm going to the post office the other day, dropping some mail off, and I'm cutting through like the like the campus neighborhood at University of Kentucky, and it's just like all these kids out on the lawn playing beer pong for the Kentucky Ole Miss game, and I'm like, poor bastard, you're all gonna die, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, and in the back of my head, I'm like, well, man, when I was like 20, 21, like I wouldn't have given a fuck about this probably, but like also like not the right thing you know i don't know how to feel about it also it's i mean but their brains are not developed that's like the right. whole thing right i think that's what happens when there's like a complete absence of any sort of leadership certainly at the federal level but you know if your state is not super responsive i mean then you're it's you're putting it on like on individuals yeah, and i i, I yeah. think like the individual you know, individual behavior is important, but people put way too much on that. I don't think that, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about it is I feel like uh, even good liberals are going to have their breaking point with social distancing. It will, you know, it hasn't been already. I think that, you know, most most uh, liberals who are, you know, older than, I don't know, 25 are, are like doing it. But I mean, a year from now, I don't know if it's a year. I don't know if it's a you know a year and a half or whatever. Like we'll still be in a pandemic when 
liberals decide, okay, I'm going to a movie again, you know, like that will still be true. People are not really equipped to deal with this pandemic for as long as we're going to be dealing with it, which is why it should have been resolved a lot sooner. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, people say that like we live in Trump country or whatever, and it's true. I mean, to an extent, but as a result, I expected there to be more pushback and more anti-masks demonstrations or whatever, but I've not really seen a whole lot of that. Um, but it has, you know, it, it's made things a lot uh, worse, just like it's made every everything mm. worse. Um, you know, our downtown is already pretty scarce. Uh, but now it's mostly populated by four wheelers and side by sides. So <laughs> it really so is it's, going mad. It's, it's yeah. just like the shittiest people that are out and about. Yeah, that, uh, man. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's let's cheer up and talk some shit about Amy McGrath for a minute. What's what's going on with Amy? So Amy McGrath just had a debate with M- Mitch McConnell on. I guess it was a week ago. His last Monday or Tuesday. Um, it was, I don't know, it was pretty bad, mostly because they're both the most uncharismatic people in the world. Oh my god, it's, it's almost like they're competing to who who can be less charismatic and engaging, and who can have a a weaker chin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, um, but, you know, I... People always, uh, people are always asking this. I always see people asking, like, why do people keep voting for Mitch? I, like, why, uh, how does he win? He's got the lowest approval rating. People hate him. He's polling terribly. Why do people keep voting for him? And he said it himself in the debate. It makes total sense when you think about it. Like, the go-to thing he kept saying in the debate was, vote for Amy McGrath if you want Chuck Schumer to be Senate Majority Leader. If you want... Um, the Democrats to take the Senate Majority Leader uh, position away from me and give it to Chuck Schumer, then yeah, you'll vote for Amy McGrath. But now, as Senate Majority Leader, I can bring back all kinds of pork and influence to Kentucky. And I was thinking about this, like, imagine that you're one of the upper crust elites of Kentucky. You know, you go to the Kentucky Derby, you're at your horse racing and stuff. You look Tom Sexton, down- for example. Yeah, to Tom absolutely. Sexton, for example, yes. <clears throat> You look down the road and you see the uh, elites in Gold Coast, Connecticut, Fairfield County. And, um, you know, they've got squash and uh, water polo and, you know, a nice ocean to go <laughs> rowing. to. Rowing, stuff like that. And they're respected. That is who runs the country. It's those elites. If you're the elites, it's it's exactly kind of just like the Confederacy itself. If It's like basically rich people in Kentucky saying... This is the only way we get to have some sort of pride about our state and some influence mm-hmm. over the course of the nation. So we got to keep continuing to vote for McConnell and pulling for him and everything. Because, you know, McConnell is right in in a sense that, uh, I mean, he's not right, but to them he's right, that, you know, him being in the point of position that he's in, uh, you know, allows him to, as he puts it, give Kentucky the ability to pull its weight around or swing, or punch above its weight. That's what he says. He's always saying that we can punch above its own weight. And I mean, it's, but, it's stupid. We don't get anything out of the deal. America yeah. hates us. 
Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's it's also like too like Amy McGrath came out of the gate saying like oh I'm gonna be more pro Trump than McConnell. McConnell's actually impeded Trump's agenda. Blah 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 blah. And if you're presenting that, if you're running on that as sort of a lateral move, why don't you just vote for the guy that has the clout and the influence right now? Yeah, yeah who's already fucking Senate majority. Yeah, right. I don't. I and you know, and and another thing about, I mean, I am so like we had. I'm sure you guys have, have talked to him many times as well. But we had. I remember um, our interview with Charles Booker, who was running um, against Amy McGrath um, in the primary, and he was running on like a real platform, um, and like you know, real solutions to the things that currently ill. Uh, Kentucky and this nation but it's so disappointing it's just like to go from if you looked at his platform and then to go from that to Amy McGrath's lack thereof because I can't even call it's again it's so what is she offering I don't and also, she is maybe one of the worst public speakers I've seen in a long time. Not to like completely shit on her, but she why is why is she here? <laughs> She's just like Biden. She's just like I'm not my opponent. It might work for Biden. I, it's not going to work for McGrath. But also, but Biden isn't doing what she's. Biden isn't like. I'm going to be Trump, yeah. but just nicer. Like, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that's true. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so disheartening to think that, because Char- I mean, if, you know, if there had been another month on the end of that primary, Charles probably would have beat her pretty handily. He just, I think he yeah. just surged at the, like, just a little bit too late. And also, he got as close as he did. Like, I think he had $800,000 in the bank to her $51 million. And, Charles was the first one, I think, that actually proposed an electoral platform that really connected, like, the mostly black neighborhoods on the West End of Louisville, what they were going through, to, like, what's going on with, like, mostly white hillbillies in eastern Kentucky and, like, making those connections. I mean, the summer before all this popped off, Charles was in Harlan County, Kentucky, down where we're from, like, um... with like all the miners that were blocking like the coal from, I don't know if y'all saw that or not. Like there was a bunch of miners. Yeah. Yeah. It like, yeah. Demonstrations where they're blocking off the railroad mm-hmm. and all that stuff, uh, protesting, like not getting paid by the coal companies. And Charles was right there with them before he was even like a national entity or anything. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I'm generally wary of politicians, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, some of them can even be a little too idealistic or Pollyannish, but I think Charles's integrity is, is, I mean, you can't really call it into question yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. And also I just, I, yeah, I mean, I, he, we've, you know, we've interviewed a lot of politicians on this show and he is one that sticks out to me, I think because of he has like a visceral real connection to so many of the issues that are interwoven in his platform. And that's why you believe him when he, when he speaks. Yeah. Yeah. He's Um, a real person, but yeah, he is a real person. And you know, God, I'm so, but it's interesting what you were saying about um, McConnell's like McConnell's strategy here, because actually a lot of the Senate Republicans are running on, they're not just running attack ads on their direct opponent. They're just like, if I lose, we all lose. Like yeah. in like the Republican Party loses. Lindsey Graham's doing the same thing. Right. Um, his whole strategy has just been like, 
if I'm gone, then Bernie Sanders is going to be is going to take my place on my committees, yeah. <laughs> and which would be cool as hell. <laughs> <Would love that. laughs> it's funny how they've made Bernie's name into a pejorative in the same way. I know, like with like Schumer and Pelosi, because like that may work with Schumer and Pelosi, who are pretty like reviled by plenty of people. But like, I know a lot of people that are like. Even if they think Bernie's a little crazy, they like him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they can tell his heart's yeah. in the right place anyways. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Uh, I, I'm i so confused with what Biden is... Well, I'm not really confused. What I was going to say is I'm so confused with what Biden is, is doing because it's like, you know, every moment he can, he takes the opportunity, like whenever he's accused by someone on the right of being like a, you know... Support a socialist. Yeah, supporting <laughs> things like Medicare for all or a Green New Deal. These are extremely popular positions. Yeah. I think that he yeah. would only be helping himself to just be, you know, to at minimum, you know, just change the subject and not even like, uh, you know, not like vehemently deny that he supports these things. And, you know, I really think that it, it has nothing to do with the voters. It's, it's just a a signal to uh, the Democratic Party's donor base at this point. It's like they'd rather, they don't, I don't even think that they care that much if they win. But uh, yeah, it's it's very, very frustrating. I don't know. I think the Medicare for all thing is the thing that, that trips me up the most because like it's not only 90% of the Democratic base, Democratic voters are for Medicare for all, but like the majority of Americans at this point are for Medicare for all. The Green New Deal, I I mean, I can see whatever, like, bad political calculus, but I can see what's there where they're trying, because I, I know, you know, I've listened to different um, reports with, um, you know, with, like, different unions that are in the fossil fuel industry, and that is, for whatever reason, that is one of the demographics that they are, the, the Democratic Party is like obsessed with getting back. Yeah. <clears throat> um, because, well, and not for whatever reason, because a lot of those, um, the people in those populations are in swing states. Yeah. Uh, like Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I can, like, I think it's bad. I think it's bad to distance yourself from the Green New Deal. Obviously, I can kind of, but I can kind of understand why he's doing it. But in terms of Medicare for all, it's just, he just seems like a fucking dinosaur at this point, especially during a pandemic. I think there's like more of a mandate for a national where 250,000 people have died. Like there's more of a mandate for it now than ever probably. And I don't know, but, and, and also, but yeah, and, and when he when he says when somebody is like, oh, he's going to pack the court, he's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> well, McGrath uh, that debate the other night, um, McConnell's like, she wants Medicare for all, and, and she's like, no, I don't. I beat my opponent who wanted Medicare for all, and it's like, yeah, oh, I mean, I'm going to light her on fire. Yeah, it's like you're saying <laughs> this. I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Biden did do, do the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, but the, but at the same time, he I mean, Biden is, of course, he's doing this, but he's, like, playing both sides of the fence because when he is attacked from the left, very often he's like, well, I have, like, 
the Bernie Sanders Unity Commission on my campaign or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the fuck that is. Some, like, okay. tepid nod to the Bernie voters or whatever. It's so stupid. And, you know, Bernie, God bless him, is still, even though Biden keeps saying all this stupid shit, Bernie stumps for him so hard. Yeah. Uh, just going all over the place being like, Cut the shit. We have to vote for Joe yeah. Biden. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I am not surprised that Bernie Sanders did that. I, I, I don't know. I guess part of I'm not surprised either. Yeah. But did, like he, I mean, as but like again, uh, bless him because after I, I mean, I'm I'm not the first person to say this, but how much time money and energy the democratic establishment spent fighting his campaign that to see them basically shrug now that amy coney barrett is being rushed through the supreme yeah, court no, it's so, it makes it's me so frustrating i mean it's like there's just there's there was so much more opposition to bernie sanders oh, than yeah. there was to amy coney barrett i don't know i mean it's just uh yeah it's very frustrating i'm not surprised that bernie did that part of me thinks that you know, it would have been uh, possible for him to extract some concessions by withholding his support a little longer. But also part of me thinks that these people don't care if they win. So anything about like, uh, you know, pushing people left is kind of, a, you know, in order to win votes is, is sort of a non-convo because I'm, I'm just not convinced that they care about it, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's it, it, you know, I, and I don't mean to like drag us back too much, but like at the last debate when like and Kamala Harris did this too when they were just like screaming about fracking and fracking's going nowhere and like just being so reassuring to the fracking people like fracking a year ago, two years ago is one of the dirtiest words and like anybody also, they just sort of environmental I mean, constants. But in this time, yeah, no, but also what Kamala has had to do as Biden's running mate now is, and, and it's so weird the way that the running mate kind of relationship plays out because Kamala, even though she was like a little squishy on Medicare for all, she had ultimately like signed, she signed on to co like to co-sponsor the bill. And she also had like expressed support for the green new deal. And now she has to walk that back because her running mate doesn't support either of those things. So I'm 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 not the first person to say this, but she I wish that there were like a political world where she could be like, yeah, I don't agree with him on this, but that's his position, this is my position. Yeah. yeah. Um but instead, she has to do this dance with like <laughs> where she's just like read my lips, Joe Biden will not <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All because Joe Biden abolish- wants his Chesapeake Energy windbreaker this year. And who among us doesn't? Yeah. But um <laughs> Yeah, I mean I I think that she's just politically opportunistic and you know, a lot of people uh who signs that Green New Deal or a lot of people who signed the Medicare for All bill, um, you know, to me what what it says, some of the people who signed on to that is that they could see that that was the future of what will make you like an electable politician in the future that the the tide is is turning and and that is the the hip direction to go in so to speak but um you know i don't see that as like a universally bad thing i think maybe it's good that 
you know, even if it is for opportunistic reasons and it is, has nothing to do with, you know, deeply held values or anything like that. Like, it's good that Kamala Harris can can see that because Joe Biden definitely can't, you know, but maybe it will amount to nothing. I feel like every positive change in this country's history has come about because people in charge were like shamed into agreeing with it, basically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, my fear, my biggest fear about it is that they they just they they understand that it's popular and then they can get lip service. They can just give lip service mm. to it and they can get points for supporting it, but not ever actually going through with it. Because I've played this out in my mind, like what would actually happen if they passed it? Passing that would give a massive win to a lot of the left, and I think the last four years have demonstrated that they cannot let that happen at all i mean that by you know they can't let it happen by any means and so uh you know i i feel like i'm looking at this very cynically and maybe you disagree but i i feel like my cynical look on it is that they can just keep saying yeah it's the future let's we're gonna do that we'll do it someday but actually empowering people that way it, it's very dangerous and i don't think they want to commit themselves to that because once you give people, you know, once you start giving people that kind of stuff, once you start empowering them that way, then they start running more. And yeah. as we know from the Democratic Party, they, they can't commit themselves to anything. And so if they if they actually, if they saw that on the horizon, people wanting more, then that would scare the absolute shit out, out of them. So, yeah, I don't I, know. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, you know, I think I sort of share your, to some extent, share your cynicism about the possibility of pushing the Democratic Party left. I don't mean like electing individuals that, you know, could potentially be awesome. Like it would be fucking awesome uh, to get to vote for Charles Booker, you know, had he won. Uh, But, you know, I guess I've seen both of you guys on Twitter and it seems like you have sort of reached the point where you don't feel like the Democratic Party is uh necessarily a useful vehicle for your aspirations and so i guess what would you like what do you hope will happen do you see yourself organizing mostly outside of electoral politics or is there you know another path i know some people are really into the green party but i have never really had too much faith in that yeah no i i'm I've for for me personally, I feel like I've completely checked out of electoral politics as a um as a path towards any kind of change or or liberation. Uh, you know, and that includes the Green Party. I've never, I, you know, the Green Party was so big in the early two thousands. Is this is a common misconception? People think that like their Gen Xers weren't really left. I mean, there's plenty of leftist Gen Xers, and they plugged into the Green Party, and that's why the whole Ralph Nader thing you know why they got blamed for bush becoming president and all this and it's it's really weird this is a very weird history of the left i was listening to an interview with naomi klein recently where she was talking about this she was like our generation was actually a little more realistic about our abilities with the democratic party and that's why we plugged into the green party say what you want about it maybe it was the wrong thing to do but we we were never under any illusion that we could impact or change the democratic party in any way and I and I think that that's probably that probably changed with Obama. I think that we saw uh, a brief moment where we might actually be able to change things and influence things, and we saw someone who 
might actually have our interests in mind. And and it became you know, when that actually didn't pan out, and when in, in fact it actually started going the other way towards the right, our our brains kind of broke, and we weren't really sure what to do about it. Um, but I mean, at the same time, when a candidate like Bernie presents himself, and if another one presents himself like that in the Democratic Party, I feel like you have to support it. And um, so I don't know. I mean, if in 2024, uh, I don't know who that would be. I guess AOC or somebody. Then yeah, I would Bernie Sanders it. or Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if if Bernie ran again, that would fucking I that would rip. If it, if it just became a thing he did every time, you know, like yeah. a, <laughs> like a like a fish concert. Like let's all get back together yeah. and play in this form again, baby. Yeah. You know? And I would. I would. I would. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't exactly share all of your cynicism. I understand, like, I think that's a completely valid and rational, you know, certainly way, that's one rational way to look at things. I, I see that. Um, I think where my lack of cynicism comes from is just that I think that when you look at the Democratic Party, our elected officials, particularly in Congress, in the in the House um, of now versus during the time of the Obama administration, the party is shifting left. Like the people who are winning, a lot of the people who are winning uh, as Democrats in these in these House races are much further left than their their peers of eight, ten years ago. Um, so I, I I think one of the big things about 2016 that was like laid bare was that the Democratic Party doesn't have like a deep bench of, of people to pull from. And that's why there were only two people in the, or, you know, two major contenders in the primary, uh, versus the fucking clown car that we had <laughs> this past election cycle. I don't know. I think it was negotiated behind the scenes pretty much that Hillary was going to be the nominee and that people could, no, yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, I totally agree yeah. with that. But also, like, I, I, I mean, I think it's, in 16, that was like a running criticism of the party that like we don't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of new blood. We don't, we didn't have a lot of, uh, Again, we just didn't have a, a deep bench to pull from. And I think that that is, I I do think that that's changing. And I think that the fact that like most of the superstars of the party right now are not centrist is encouraging, if anything. Like, I don't know. I, I look, I don't think that we're, uh, you know, all the, the people in the Democratic establishment are going to die. And that's my optimism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you tell Feinstein's holding on by three. Oh my God. <laughs> God! Her and Henry Kissinger. Yeah, yeah. They, and my, they, and my they'll, they'll live to be one hundred and sixteen. I say and, that. And my dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. The three of them. How old was Strom Thurmond when he died? It, like, oh, he was like, like a thousand. Yeah, a th- yeah. He was over a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Robert Byrd, same way. He's Robert like Byrd, yeah. very, very old. Jesus. Hate hate keeps you alive. Yeah. It preserves you. It's a natural <laughs> preservative. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think I mean I think that is. I think that if you're going to pick out something that's like reason for hope, that's like yeah, the people with sort of the name cachet going forward tend to be more left than 
Yeah, than their predecessors. Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think that's bad at all. And they're also campaigning on. I mean, and the ideas that they're championing are very popular, not only with the party, with the base of the party, but also with, again, like Americans writ large who might not even like a lot of whom don't even usually vote for Democrats. So I don't know. I I have no hope for definitely like the Democratic establishment as it currently is, but I just don't think it's fixed. I think that it is kind of like subject to change Um, and it's it's not going to be easy. And I also don't think that electoral politics are the only answer. I think that's lunacy. Like, yeah, their electoral politics are, you know, one facet of, of a changing society. And, but I, I do think that there's, there has been as far as like bottom up change i think there is a lot of energy for these kind of like left issues um and again when you think of like public opinion moves usually moves more quickly than than congress does obviously and i don't know I do. That's, that's my only, my only glimmer of hope. I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't like, yeah. I mean, I guess to say, yeah, the democratic party is a lost cause. Sure. But I think there are good people who are trying to, to change it and kind of succeeding. And I, I think, I mean, the fact that like how far we've moved in four years is in terms of our national conversation. I guess I particularly, yeah, no, I, yep. all I was going to say is I, I don't like the thing is, is I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, public opinion has changed dramatically, but I don't really, I can't really think of any sort of, I, and I could be wrong in this, but I can't, I can't really think of any like legislation that has, uh, that is more left. I can't think of, um, yeah, I just I can't really I, I agree with you that the public opinion is is shifting substantially, but I do not see how that plays out. Really, you know, in terms of it's a, well, it doesn't it doesn't go right from like the streets to the to the federal level. It's like. I think I don't know, I think I think part of that being successful would be if. The Democrats did what the Republicans did with like the Tea Partiers back like in Obama era. You know what I mean? Like yes. they, if they absorbed the left the way they sort of absorbed the Tea Party, then then I think that's I think that's got legs. I do, but I and the way that they're literally absorbing QAnon right now, which is even more wild and it's way scarier because yeah. it's fucked up. QAnon is like a murder cult so (laughs) it's so it's so fucked up it's so it's so incredibly fucked up i mean uh my cousin got a QAnon tattoo and i just i'm so mad about it yeah 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 um and they're like i've just there's even some comedians that are into fucking QAnon now i've seen them with the whole hashtag it's so it is so wild i guess you know what i would say is like I, by the way, I'm not a person who thinks that change is impossible. I just don't 
I just am losing hope that anything good would come of the party specifically, only because I think that the, you know, establishment, like, will do anything to stop it. And with the Tea Party, mm -hmm. I think, you know, Tea Party, QAnon, these factions that are being absorbed into the Republican Party, they're quote unquote uh populist which i don't agree with that term but whatever like they're they're like populist uh base is um you know it's they're still arguing for things that will serve the ruling class you know so it's not there's not like the incentive to stop it the way that they stopped bernie yeah. sanders right. yeah, you know it, yeah it's not a one-to-one -one yeah like the left and yeah the two part. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. no that's yeah. true yeah <laughs> For sure. I don't know why this whole show has just like become like me trying to talk Julia out of being hopeful. <laughs> it's just like it's true. Yeah. I it's just been it's been a an over a years long erosion of of all of my hope and I also I think that I come out of this looking I don't know. I don't know if I look kind of naive in comparison, but I I am trying to like back up what I'm saying with concrete examples. Yeah. Um but also and just I, as yeah. a practical matter you got you got to have a source of hope, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just uh yeah, I I don't I, I think we all wrestle with that, you know what I mean? So yeah. Kate Kate is my doomer don't, don't overlord. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I'm not a doomer. I mean, I I find I know. No, I yeah, know. I guess I just I, know. I see the hope in like the labor movement, I see the hope in tenants movements. I was, I, I thought, uh, you know, had the protests this summer kept going at the same intensity, uh, I, you know, I, I think it looked like some shit was really going to happen. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely think that it's, I don't, I, here's another thing I'm hopeful about. I don't think that the left will, quote, go back to brunch under Biden. I think that no. the material conditions are so bad right now that, you know, and also there's so many people who have become politically galvanized that, you know, uh, the activists left will continue. And I actually think that electing Biden will expose to a lot of people the fact that these, a lot of the problems that we're having you know, are not because of Trump. He exacerbates yeah. them, but it's not yep. like it's, I think a lot of people right now blame everything that is bad that's happening on Trump and that illusion, God willing, will be shattered for some people, you know, in November, January. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what like the sort of Trump era politics that we've all, I mean, people that think like us have moved into, I wonder what that activism like in real life would look like under Biden versus Trump. Like, will it, will it be dulled or blunted or will it be, you know, would, will we still, you know, want to sort of keep our foot on their necks? You know, I, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes well, out. Well, all the, all the conditions that created what we're currently living in will still exist in a Biden presidency. That's the yeah. only, like people, I think people are still going to be, you know, whether Biden wins or loses, if, like millions of people still don't have health care. Millions of people are still, you know, the minimum wage still hasn't <laughs> risen with inflation in decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, every time I think about the minimum wage, I 
just want to draw blood. I just am, I'm ready for the class war. And if, um, that's what I keep waiting for, honestly. I'm just, I'm <laughs> it's ready. It's exciting to think about. It's the, the only time in, I think, U.S. history where you can't, or I guess since they've been <laughs> recording these things, I don't know if people in the 1890s were looking for like one bedroom apartments, but, uh, I think it's like the first time since whenever that you can't afford a one bedroom apartment in any zip code in, in the any, country. Yep. Right. Not a I single one. That. Yeah. Christ. With, with men. Well, also, much. it's because, I mean, yeah, it's like, and how people see that and the conclusion that they don't immediately come to is the minimum wage is too low by a lot is, again, it's, a, it's just galaxy brain, JD Vance bullshit i just don't i don't know i uh, wish i could explain it but i i just it's just such a fucking embarrassment honestly like and it's it's so unnecessary that seven dollars and 25 cents is it's just it's just cruel is what it is i mean it's the same politics that gets you uh Here's one $1,200 check during an unprecedented crisis. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, like, I remember thinking at the beginning of the pandemic, like, they'll have to do something. They'll have to do something for people. And, you know, I mean, I guess there was, like, a additional unemployment and there was that one stimulus check. But I, I thought for sure that they would be forced into more than that, for sure. And... And, and well, didn't Bernie have to like stay up all night on the floor to get the oh expanded unemployment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, can we? We need to protect him. I don't understand why. Stop making him stay up all night. He needs his rest. Um, but Mitch McConnell, I mean, that's another thing about Mitch McConnell is that he's like, for people who want the Republican Party writ large to succeed, and that's really what he's selling to them like he does it he is very successful at kind of bending the rules and pulling out all the stops to make sure that his agenda gets passed well, and so he's the only reason they still have a party i mean they, absolutely I mean, not that long ago they're dead in the water yeah. you know and it's unclear if they even exist anymore and they, and they were starting to think in that those veins too and mitch mcconnell mm-hmm. figured it out yeah and so I think if you're not offering a substantive difference, if you're a Democrat not offering like a substantive difference to him in terms of policy, why would people vote for you? What right. if you're a fighter pilot? You know what? That's a good point, Kate. And I, had, I hadn't thought of that. Um, <laughs> Who might have did 9-11. Yeah. Oh, my God. We need more girl bosses who almost did 9-11. I think that's what the party needs. Yeah, when people say the Bush did 9-11, I'm just like, wow, that's sexist. That's really sexist. (laughs) More women doing drone strikes. Um, Yeah, that's what I want for for feminism. Um, Yeah, I mean, I am... Also, I'm just like personally... My only personal kind of... Uh, quote unquote connection to the Amy McGrath campaign is that like one of my kind of most loony lib friends literally moved to Kentucky to work on the Amy McGrath campaign 
she's not like a political operative. She just was like a girl with a poem and a dream. And oh wow. <laughs> like, um, we don't have to go in on poem dream girls right now. That's unnecessary. You're right. <laughs> you're right. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, I'm really sorry. But I and you know, she's she's lovely, but she um yeah, she but she went to work for that camp. She went to volunteer for the Amy McGrath campaign during the primary, not even after she won. I was just like, what are you doing? Oh, that is my. truly weird. Truly bizarre. I, she also, literally only won because so many people had already voted by the time Booker was surging. Yeah. That's right. it. Like, imagine going all in on Amy McGrath. That is a little bit. It makes me so sad. And I really... I, I'm, I've wanted to talk to her about it, but I don't have the heart or the stomach. <laughs> and, and this is from someone who has a cop dad who has... That's true. Partially radicalized her cop, cop dad. dad. So I have, I have. Yeah, um, it's impressive. Yeah, your dad voted for Bernie, it's, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and he just he just voted. Uh, he just voted again specifically so he could vote on the ballot questions in Massachusetts and vote for Ed Markey, our 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 Green New Deal daddy. Yeah. So. Um, when I think of Ed Markey, I think of you, Julia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. Like, you, 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 you brought Ed Markey to my consciousness. Yeah. Thank you so much. I I hope that I could use whatever limited influence I have to bring Ed Markey to the masses. Um, he also, yeah. I just love that picture of him wearing like the 80s Nikes with like the whole day. Uh, yeah. I was like, man, that's like extremely my shit. I mean. No, he's he's great. You know. Even leftists, like, we're not above wanting a a lib daddy with a cute accent, you know? Like, he's yeah. just, like, <laughs> he's so, he's so charming. Oh, yeah. I actually, I saw a clip, they, so they made Fenway Park into a polling station in Boston, which is kooky, and I didn't know that they could just do that, but there was, they, of course, found a woman who gave them the perfect soundbite on the news, and she was like... Hi, I'm here at Fenway because I've been really cooped up and I, I I voted for Joe Biden, but I wish I were voting for Bernie Sanders, but I'm not doing that because it's a team sport. Like so many people sent that to me being like, this is you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Uh, I just. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, my cop dad is gonna live forever, and I will make him a, at least a, a democratic socialist by the time he de- he dies. Uh, we should probably like wrap up at some point, but, uh, yeah. I mean, do you guys have anything else that has been on your minds, like random thoughts, notes, or on your hearts? On your hearts, yeah. Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he lives in mine. Yes. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't think of anything no. Um just just another week in the you know, great state of Kentucky. Wow. Just petting my yeah. cat here. Yeah. Wow, do this we, is a cat Tom, podcast. Do you have a cat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is I, this is I have a cat too. I so I I have I found a mouse in my house yesterday <laughs> so like I've been like trying to deal with it the humane way before I call in the big guns if 
he doesn't want to comply. Uh, and I found it by my cat arrow just like was just like meowing in this weird way. Like, what is going on? Her tail was bushy, and then she was just like swatting this little mouse, not trying to kill it, just like playing patsy with it. And it's a disappointment. I wanted her to, yeah, you know, do what we pay her to do, you know. Yeah, my cat growing up used to do that. Would would instead of like catching them, quote unquote, would just play with them until they died. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. Which I think, Ugh. yeah, that's that's worse. Maybe yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. like my relationship to men. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I wanted to make a hack ass <laughs> joke. Um, all right. So, uh, where can people find you guys online? Uh, we are on Spotify, iTunes, podcast app, um, Stitcher. Twitter, of course, Instagram. Heard of it. That's right. Patreon. Uh, most importantly, Patreon. Right. Most importantly, Patreon. Um, yeah, no. We're, we're all looking for we're all looking for daddy donors on Patreon. That's right. Is what we're that is right. <laughs> I've not gotten one yet, but the day it happens, I'll be eternally grateful. Yeah. Sometimes I get DMs from men who say that they want to be like they want to just like pay me to exist and i was like i wish this were real because i would take your money (laughs) (laughs) wow all right you guys well thank you so much for coming on the show and you know please come back a third time uh we'd love to yeah a three when when amy mcgrath defeats mitch mcconnell (laughs) yeah there you go We'll have you on to celebrate. All right. We'd love to. We need y'all on for the first time, so we got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, What the hell? Not having us on your podcast is actually, it's it's actually very sexist. It's misogyny. (laughs) And yes. Um, All right, guys. I'll see you later. Thank you. Thanks again so much, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.